0: I'm your host, Madeline, and welcome to the Courageous Podcast, where you will hear inspirational stories every Monday and Thursday of everyday people who will share how they found strength, hope, and faith in the midst of adversity. Let's get ready to be inspired. Welcome, welcome to the Courageous Podcast. I'm your host, Madeline Hernandez, and I thank you for tuning in today. In part one of Infertility to Miscarriage, I share my journey of infertility and the struggles that I faced trying to have a baby, as well as the pain that I experienced in between. In part two, I want to share my continued struggles and how I was impacted by miscarriage. In episode one, I shared, after about six months of trying to get pregnant, I was finally blessed with my amazing son, Elias Noah Hernandez. The first several years were really hard as he needed emergency surgery at just two weeks old and was coping with a few different health issues. Thankfully, over time, his health had improved. So about two years after his birth, I start thinking that it might be time to have another baby. I was overwhelmed and felt like I had my hands full with Elias already, but I didn't want him to grow up alone. And now the truth was that I really, really wasn't ready for another child. When I met my husband, he said that he wanted four kids since he came from a big family. And I was like, what? Is this guy crazy? Four kids coming out of this body. The thought of that just hurt me physically. In my mind, I thought, okay, well, maybe we'll have one, maybe we'll have two, but four was way too much for me. So we decided that if we were going to have another baby, we should just do what worked the last time and just go back to the fertility doctor. After having my son, I was finally experiencing somewhat of a regular menstrual cycle. And so the doctor thought that it would probably be easier for us to get pregnant the second time around. And so I began all the same treatments as before. I began the hormone pills, the hormone injections, the doctor's visits. And after a few times of trying, nothing was happening. And so at that point in my life, things were pretty busy. I was working as an HR consultant. My son was having issues with asthma, and so I was in the doctor all the time, and I thought that I was probably a little bit stressed, and then maybe I'll just take a break for a month or two, and then I'll go back to the clinic when things calm down a little bit. And so this is the summer of 2002, and I'm thinking, if I get pregnant and have a baby, my son will be about three years old, which might be a little bit easier with a toddler and a newborn. And so I take that break. And I go back after a month or two and the nurse says, hey, let's just do a pregnancy test just to make sure that you're not pregnant before we start all of these treatments. And in my mind, I'm thinking, sure, like I can't imagine I'll test positive. So yeah, let's do it. And she comes back into the room and she says, hey, you're pregnant. I was like, what are you talking about? How did this happen? And she just started laughing at me, like if, you know, I didn't know how this actually happened. And so I'm overwhelmed and I'm so grateful. And she tells me, since you already started the treatments a few months ago, I'm thinking that everything is somewhat working correctly. And so lo and behold, I'm going to be a mom and I'm going to have another baby. And I'm super excited. At this point, I'm only a few weeks along, and they tell me to just schedule a doctor's appointment for around six weeks. And so I go home, I tell my husband, I'm pregnant, and he's shocked just like I was. And when I went to the first doctor's appointment, the doctor says, hey, let's just do an ultrasound to see if we can hear the baby's heartbeat. And she had this little rinky-dinky handheld machine that, in my opinion, was not the greatest device. And of course, we were not able to hear the baby's heartbeat. And although everything seemed fine with me physically, she said, it's probably too soon. Let's just do it when you come back in a few weeks. And so at around nine weeks, I go back and I'm not feeling that well. And it feels like I'm coming down with something. I feel achy and I have a fever, but I still go to the appointment because I wanna hear my baby's heartbeat. And so the doctor comes in and she puts the cold jelly on on my belly and begins the ultrasound. And after a little while, she still can't hear the heartbeat. And she asks me, how are you feeling? And I tell her, I'm not feeling very well. I have like the chills and I'm a little bit achy. And she keeps checking, but nothing. And now I'm starting to get a little bit worried. And she tells me, you know what? I'm going to send you to Illinois Masonic Hospital just to have an ultrasound to make sure that everything's okay. And I was happy because once again, that little handheld ultrasound was a bust and I didn't trust it. And so I go to Masonic, super confident that all is well, and I'm going to hear the baby's heartbeat. But after a few minutes, the technician still can't find the heartbeat. She steps out of the room and someone else comes in and says, I believe you have miscarried and are no longer pregnant. The symptoms you're experiencing might indicate that you have an infection and we need to do a DNC to take the fetus out before you get any worse. And I remember hearing what they were saying, and their lips were moving, but it was in slow motion. And I thought, no, this has got to be a bad dream. I mean, I'm pregnant. We did this on our own, and I'm going to have a baby. No, no, this can't be happening. And she left the room, and I just started crying. And I felt so broken. And all I remember after that was just going home, crawling into bed with my husband, and just laying in each other's arms in silence. And it was like I was in a cloud of denial and disbelief that this could happen to us. A few days later, I go in and I have the DNC, and they tell me to just take a couple of days and just stay in bed and rest. And it wasn't until after the DNC that I realized that this was true. I physically felt empty. It was as if they had stole the life I had inside of me. And my dream of being a mom again was gone. And the pain that I felt was as if someone had kicked me in the gut and I couldn't breathe. And for months afterwards, I was mourning the loss of my baby because even though I never heard the heartbeat, I know that there was a life growing inside of me. And I started to fall into a depression. And all I thought was, what could I have done to prevent this? And I would ask God, why, Lord? Why did this happen to me? Please, Lord, give me an answer. Explain why my baby is gone. And now, if you're not a mom yet, and you miscarry, I know it's got to be even worse for you because this was your first chance at having a baby. But I had a son and I know I was already blessed, but that pain was still the same and I wanted my baby desperately. At that time, I didn't know how common miscarriage was. There could be abnormalities in the development. There could be some type of an infection, which at that time I was experiencing. Maybe it was because of some underlying health issue that I have, or the worst one ever. There's no real reason at all. You never get a real reason. Statistics show that 20 to 30% of women will suffer a miscarriage, and that 2 to 4% of miscarriages will happen from week 5 to 12. And I was in week 9. 1% of women will have to endure consecutive miscarriages as if going through it once isn't enough, right? So when you don't understand the why, you begin to blame yourself and believe it was something that you did or you didn't do to cause the miscarriage. For me, the loss was unbearable. And I tried everything that I could to just hide it and mask the pain that I was feeling every single day. And you know, God has a way of comforting you in ways that you could never imagine. And I remember that on some of the hardest days with my little boy, he would come up to me at just two and a half and say, mommy, you're going to be okay. Mommy, I love you. Mommy, the baby's okay. And I would just pick him up and hold him so tight. And I knew that was God telling me that my baby was okay, but that he also wanted to remind me that I had this amazing little boy who was here with me and I needed to focus on him and embrace that blessing. About a year after the miscarriage, I was experiencing some serious back pain and body aches. And I'd coped with it for about a year, just kind of ignoring it. And doctors would run all types of tests and tell me, you're perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with you but there were times that I would try to get up in the morning and the pain was so bad that I couldn't stand or even have the strength to go to the bathroom. Shortly after I decided to see a rheumatologist and after several tests and long discussions about my symptoms, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia. Fibromyalgia is a syndrome that affects the muscles and the soft tissues. It's a common and chronic syndrome that causes body pain, mental distress, and poor sleep. For me, It felt like I had the flu every single day. The body aches are horrible. And if you don't get a good quality of sleep, you feel even worse in the morning. I remember days feeling so bad that I would just call my mom at work and tell her, Mom, you've got to come home. I need your help because it were days I couldn't even get out of bed. And my little boy was running around the whole house by himself. During this time, my dad was still not a part of my life. He had come to see my baby boy when he was born, and then two weeks later when he had emergency surgery. And he and my mom had not seen each other in person since they split up before my son was born. And supposedly she said something that he didn't like that day, which ended up being absolutely nothing. Weeks went by and I never heard from my dad again. I would see him from time to time at a local park called Humboldt Park, where we spent a lot of time. And he would just walk right past me and my little boy as if we didn't exist. And it was so painful to know that he didn't know my son and that once again, he was only thinking of himself. For years, my dad did not see my son. and was not a part of his life. And that was a choice that he made from the beginning. I would never prevent him from seeing his grandchild as my dream was always to see my dad love and hold my little boy the way that my mom did. My son Elias was God sent. He came into my life when I needed healing and comfort after my parents' divorce. But he also came to bring my mom joy and comfort as she was suffering the loss of her divorce after being married 29 years. When my parents got divorced, he divorced his kids and his grandkids. And to this day, I don't understand how a person can walk out of their children's lives. My mom became grandma and grandpa for my little boy. And the love that they have for each other is the most beautiful thing I have ever seen. And I never had grandparents growing up. Although I loved my grandparents, we never had that type of a relationship. But my mom had that with my little boy. And I was so blessed by it. So when my son was about six, we started thinking about having a baby again. My husband was always wanting a big family, like I said, and even though physically I was not up to the challenge because of my diagnosis with fibromyalgia, I was doing my best to learn how to just live and cope with fibromyalgia. So I put my trust in the Lord and said, if you bless me with another child, that means that you believe I can handle it and I will get through it. And I never, ever forget telling myself that. So once again, I go back to the fertility doctor. We start all the treatments. And a few months in, nothing's happening. And now at this point, my husband's insurance no longer covers any type of infertility treatment. Financially, we were okay, but these treatments were very expensive. And so for each monthly treatment, I had to pay $1,500 out of pocket. I know for many who do IVF, it's about 15000 And now this was back in 2006, so I can only imagine what it costs today. So after two months, I decide that I'm just going to take a break. The holidays are coming, and I just want to relax and enjoy this time with my family. So I go back to the clinic in January 2007, and I take a blood test to see if I'm pregnant. And once again, she says, you're pregnant. And I was like, what? I'm so happy and even more happy than before because I think, God, you blessed me and you believe that I'm ready for another baby. So I go home and I think, how can I surprise my husband? So I go, I buy several balloons, both blue and pink, and I take them to his baseball practice and I hand a few to our son and we walk towards him. And again, he has no idea because we stopped the treatments, right? When he saw us, he was surprised, but he didn't understand why we were holding the balloons. And we get closer, and he just looked at me, and it clicked. And he was so happy. So I had continued to go to the fertility clinic, and they did an ultrasound. And at about 11 weeks, I heard the heartbeat. And it was like, yes, this time my baby's going to make it. The following week, my personal doctor schedules an ultrasound at the hospital, And I go in with my husband and I can't wait for him to hear the heartbeat, but they can't find it. And I start to get nervous and I think there's some mistake because I heard it with my own ears and the tech is my witness. And then a doctor comes in and says, well, it looks like you lost the baby. Hey, it happens. Just try again and walks out. And in my mind, I'm thinking, You're telling me that I lost my baby. My baby is gone. And you say it as if that life inside of me meant nothing. My husband was so upset that he wanted to just knock this guy out. How could you say it like that? And I'm in denial and I can't accept this. This isn't happening again. And so I call the fertility clinic and I tell them what's happening. And I ask, hey, can you guys do another ultrasound? Because they say they can't hear the heartbeat. And I know there's got to be some mistake. And so my husband and I, we go in. I see the same girl that's been taking care of me for years. She does the ultrasound. And she can't find the heartbeat. Her face begins to change. And I can see the fear in her face. And I'm thinking, no, no. This can't be happening. And she says, Madeline, I'm sorry but I think you miscarried. And I didn't say a word, not to her, not to anyone. And neither did my husband. And I got dressed and I walked out of there without saying a word to anyone. And we go to the parking lot and we sit in the car in silence. And all of a sudden this pain and anger rises up out of me. And I begin to scream. And my husband begins to cry too. And I had not seen him cry like this ever before. And I remember him pounding on the dashboard of the car so hard. And that's when I knew that this was real. This thing that didn't make any sense was happening to us again. And I didn't understand the why. Why God would bless me. Yet my baby was gone again. We went home and we crawled into bed and we just laid there in disbelief and silence. And in the weeks following, I was struggling again with my new reality. I remember my son telling me one day, Mom, you lost the baby because you were working too much. And it's your fault. (sighs) And I thought, the devil, he was once again planting the seed of pain and blame and guilt in my heart and in my mind. And I just cried. And I asked God to please help me to understand the why. But later I realized that God had already been preparing me for this loss. And I was stronger this time around and that he was going to get me through it. And about a year later, my husband and I were talking and he said, I think I'm done. And I was like, what? And I kind of knew what he was talking about. And he said, I think I'm done. I don't want to try to have another baby. I don't want us to go through this again. In that moment, God gave me peace. And I realized that I too was done. But I had been waiting on him as I didn't want to make this decision for us as this was his baby too. And a month later, I went in and I tied my tubes. Months later, I was reflecting on losing my two babies. And as I played the last 10 years of my life, I realized that me having another baby was not part of God's plan, as he didn't think that I could handle it with the pain and the issues I was dealing with having Fibromyalgia. And I don't question God anymore because He knows what's best for me and my family. And I put all my trust and my faith in Him because He's never failed me. Once again, what motivated me to keep pushing through all of this and still wanting to have a baby was the joy that my son brought to my life. I did not want him to be an only child, but there's a reason for everything. God truly carried me through all of that. And today when people say, how many kids do you have? I always think three. Elias, my baby boy, and my baby girl in heaven. For me, I will always be a mom of three. And I celebrate their lives in my mind and in my heart. I don't believe I would have done anything differently this time around. I did everything that I could to take care of myself and try to get pregnant. But physically, my body wasn't up to the challenge. And I eventually found peace in that. And I felt grateful because I was a mom. And my advice to anybody that's listening that's miscarried or even that's still struggling with infertility, please, please don't give up after the first time. There are so many different reasons why you could lose your baby for the first time or the second time. And please know that it's not your fault. Find the right doctor. Find the right support to help you through this challenging time. What gave me more hope losing the second one was being a believer in Christ and believing that one day we will be together again as a whole family. I have lost grandparents, my aunt, and just last year, my mother-in-law. And as hard as that is, I find comfort knowing that my babies are with their grandma and the rest of my family. And they are watching over them in heaven with our Heavenly Father, living an amazing life until we meet again. As I was preparing for this episode I felt led by the Holy Spirit, and I wanted to share that in 1998, I gave my life to the Lord, and even though I was in and out of church and I was backsliding for many different reasons until 2008, I know that God had been with me the entire time, and He taught me that I can't live my life without Him because He is the source of my strength, and I rededicated my life to Him again in 2009. And I've been serving him ever since. And if you're experiencing the pain of this loss, and if you want peace, and if you want comfort in knowing that one day you will be with your baby again, please say the simple prayer right where you are right now. Lord, I confess I'm a sinner, and I believe that you died and were buried and rose again from my sins and I accept you in my life as my Lord and Savior. Amen. I pray that you seek a personal relationship with God and that you will rely on him for strength and comfort, just as I have. Please know that he loves you and that he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And I want to end with this verse, John 16, and it's the amplified version. And it says, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have perfect peace. In the world, you will have tribulation and distress and suffering. But be courageous, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy. I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished, my victory abiding. Please know and trust that God is with you and that he will carry you through anything that you are going through. If you know someone who's been impacted by infertility or miscarriage, please share this with them and go back and catch up on all the episodes and share them so that together we can bring hope to people. If you want to connect with me you have a question, or you just need encouragement as you're walking this difficult journey, please, I encourage you to email me at CourageousPodcast2020 at gmail. Thank you for tuning in today and for following the Courageous Podcast. Be blessed. Hey, Courageous community. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope you were encouraged today. If you have a courageous story or want to connect with today's guest, email us at courageouspodcast2020 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Courageous Podcast. Until next time, continue to be strong and courageous.